Hello, I'm Stu Sensei and welcome to the Stu Sensei English Podcast, the place that helps you unlock your English ability. Let's crack on with the show. So I'd love you to introduce yourself uh, and tell everyone about a bit about your background. Sure. So uh, hello, my name is Kate and I'm a business English coach and teacher here in Germany. I come from Canada, but I've lived all over the world. I've learned five different languages to varying degrees. Um, and yeah, now my, my goal is to help as many, as many people learn business English so that, so that they can feel comfortable using English as the international language. Um, and it lights me up, man. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah, definitely so. Uh, what made you become a teacher? I actually kind of fell into it, if I'm honest. Um, when I was, like before I went to university, I traveled to about 20, 23 different countries. Um, and I loved it. I loved teaching overseas. I love, or not teaching overseas, but I, well, I've always loved teaching as well. I was a swim instructor and all of that when I was younger. Um, but I loved living abroad. So for me, the idea of teaching English in order to be able to do that was a huge bonus. So I moved to Korea. I don't know if you know this, Stu, but I actually lived in Japan for three years when I was a kid. Mm, I remember you mentioned before, yeah. Yeah, okay. And, and those are the two really the best places to go as an international teacher teaching English mm. is Japan and Korea. So for me, it was kind of like, okay, I've already been to Japan. Let's try something new. Went out to Korea, ended up meeting a very nice German gentleman who then asked me to move back to Germany with him. And I've been here ever since. Luckily, still with that same guy. He's the my husband and the father of my children and <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah, that's a good story <laughs> you're very lucky he's still there yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would have been a terrible story otherwise <laughs> yeah exactly okay that's wonderful um uh, what in, you also do a lot on social media so what inspires you to take your free time to help people online Ooh, my free time yeah um so i actually like that the majority of that happened when i was I just had my second kid, uh, but mm. actually, ironically, I remember my brother, my brothers-in-law, like my husband's two brothers, talking to me like they were like, "Oh, you should do webinars. You should do, like, you should do the online stuff." And I was like, "No, it's too much." And I was actually I was pregnant with my son at the time, but nobody knew yet. I hadn't told anybody, and okay. the idea of like taking my my time and going online and all that felt like really overwhelming. And then it just kind of stuck in my head. And then my son was about five months old. When I started, I took one of my corporate contracts back. I wanted it that way. I love working. I love being out of the house. And that just kind of, in my mind, it made me, and I believe this, made me a better mom to have mm -hmm. one day outside of the house and working and then come back and just focus on my kids. But I just, I mean, I don't know if you feel this way, being a being a self-employed a self dad, like when you, when your kids are sick, you can't work. Like I just had to cancel so often. I had to like, I felt like if anyone in my house was sick, I couldn't work. <laughs> if my husband's sick, I have to be home to do all the other stuff that, that like we lean heavily on each other. If any of my children are sick, they can't go where they need to go and I can't do what I need to do. So how can I kind of like make this work around my kids a little bit better? And when my son was five months old, I just thought this is not working. I can't, I can't do these corp. I can't depend entirely on corporate 
clients because at any point I could cancel on them. And I love the idea of like working my job around them. So, you know, you're making posts around them. And then I started with eBooks and I would create those on days when my kids were sick. You're like, okay, so what's the resource that I know that would be good for these, for, for my learners. I can create that in and around when my kids are sick obviously be there with them when they need to be sick, but then also, you know, in that downtime that I could be using my, my expertise in this field to help a lot more people worldwide. Uh, so really that's been the, the motivator. And that's the reason I keep showing up is just that like this works for me and my schedule and it also works for my kids and it really does help a lot more people. Yeah, definitely. So um, I, I think that as a parent, we kind of invent time to be honest with you. Uh, when when we're single, we kind of um, waste a lot of time. I feel like that now. I feel yeah. like I'm, I'm inventing time. Where can I find more time to do these kind of things? And you well said. <laughs> you, know, you don't just obviously we relax and sit in front of the TV, but you find time to do things rather than before. It's like you don't feel like you got time, but there's always time. You know. Yeah, yeah, I do like that. Parents are very good at inventing time. We're like, okay, where can I squeeze? something in and I also do find so one of my friends said this to me once and I, it's always kind of stuck in my head she said that the more she does the more she does and then the less she does the less she does like it it like spirals it compounds upon itself so if I'm like okay today's just going to be a lazy day and I start out the day and I haven't done anything by 10 a.m then the rest of the day is just a wash whereas like if I wake up and I start doing I start out my laundry and I get things done and I'm, I make things for the for the kids and I get their, their beds cleaned or whatever then that just kind of like creates more productivity so yeah it's uh productivity and parenting are a mix that's for sure hundred <laughs> percent I that thing what you're saying about adding on to when you do stuff and then you do a little bit more you know you seem to find that definitely happens 100%. I always find when I'm under pressure, if I put something else on top, I manage to fix all the stuff that I couldn't do before. So it's such yeah. a <laughs> thing, weird concept. but True. Yeah, it's totally true. <laughs> okay, great. And obviously you've taught in many places, like you mentioned, and, and you've been teaching for a long time. So do you have any advice to any new teachers out there who, or ones who have just started on social media? What do you recommend for those people? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think when it comes to teaching and, and using social media for your teaching business, the main thing that I always tell people, like, I, uh, so I now have two Instagram pages, right? We've got the English mm. Anywhere where we're talking specifically to learners. And I'm also on Instagram at balancing underscore teachers where I talk specifically to, lear uh, to teachers. And my main message to them is just to really like, first of all, niching down is huge. If you're just a general English teacher and want to talk to absolutely everybody, it may not work until you get a lot of followers versus if you get really specific into what you want to offer people, even if that is simply one-on-one -on -one coaching, you can get so much more specific into how you talk to people and what you talk to them about. And then in my opinion, stop with the word of the day posts. Yeah. Because this this does some this does two things that are terrible for your business and for our industry. Word of the day posts falsely convince your followers that all they need to do is follow you and they will become fluent. You talk to anyone who follows any English teacher on Instagram, and their main goal is to become fluent in English. Yeah. 
However, following a whole bunch of teachers and simply like absorbing word of the day posts is not enough. Yet somehow they're like, okay, if I keep doing this, one day I'll become fluent. And after a year, they're like, well, why aren't, why aren't I fluent yet? I'm following, you know, all of these teachers or I'm following this guy and I'm learning so much, but it's not enough. There has, there has to be more. There has to be, you know, who are you and what do you stand for as a teacher? Uh, like talk more than simply just one word of the day post every single day. Mm. Um, yeah. And then so and then it falsely convinces them that that's going to be enough. But then it also convinces them that they don't necessarily need a teacher. And I don't believe that. I believe that having a teacher is the fastest, most easiest way to get to their goal of fluency. So really convince convince your your convince yourself first and then remind your students that you have an offer that they can then use not every mm. single follower is going to become a student but remind them of the of the fact that you are a teacher and that you want to teach them and then all of a sudden the instagram floodgates start working and and it really like it you have to do that if you simply show up every day and give one word of the day post you're not going to get the clients you think you are. Yeah, I think the problem with what you're, and here's here's an interesting thing. So, I think I I agree with you to an extent. I think part of that process of doing a word a day is the person's getting used to posting. You know, I remember the first time that I posted and it took me two weeks just to make a thirty second video. Whereas oh, now yeah. it's like oh, you yeah. pop out like a bunch in a row. You know, so it's very different. And I think that word of the day process is just part of that learning how to feel confident maybe some people don't want to be on the camera for the start it's oh totally but personally totally. it's so important isn't it yeah I mean like being part of part of the system totally agree with you there I did the same thing I think the mm. first video I did you know it was always phrasal verbs and and yeah it took, took me nine nine takes until I could finally express appropriately what it was that I wanted and then also going live and that like it all kind yeah. of compounds upon itself and now you know, I'm, I'm speaking in panels and I'm speaking in summits. And if I hadn't have gone live, then those would have yeah. been incredibly awkward, right? Like it's all building upon itself to then help you in the long run. Totally. I just do think at some point, like, like I remember I put out like a little ask me anything on, on Instagram and one person who always asked the funniest things said, do all Canadians love maple syrup? And I don't know if he was being sarcastic. I, like sometimes he is quite sarcastic, but I thought, you know what, this is actually, I have a funny story about this. So instead of doing a word of the day style post, I did that. And it ended yeah, up being like nice. a three and a half minute video on how Canadians truly feel about maple syrup. I didn't talk about my offer. didn't talk about me as an English teacher. I just mentioned like a funny story because, and here's the, here's the funny part of the story is that I put syrup on the shopping list. And my husband went out and bought syrup and came home with cranberry syrup, stew, cranberry syrup. I was so annoyed. <laughs> I was like, just for your information, anytime in the future, if I write syrup on the list, I only mean maple syrup. Mm -hmm. I do not mean cranberry syrup or any other random fruit. I mean maple. Uh, so it turns out even myself, I have, I have quite a, a strong reaction to maple syrup. So that was my post. Um, and I like we now have a team of people who are working with us all over the world. English Anywhere has grown in, in, in mm. a lot of ways. And one of our first one of our first three teachers, she was not our first teacher, but one of our first three teachers that joined the group actually said she found me based on that post 
and was like obsessed, you know, her version of obsessed with whatever we were doing up until then. When I asked her if she wanted to be part of the team, she's immediately, yes, like, obviously I want to work with you. I had people messaging me after that post asking if I could be their teacher. Yeah, it's weird. And I don't, I didn't, I wasn't getting that with the word of the day style post. Maybe I never would have gotten to the comfortability of just going on and talking about this silly story if I didn't start with the word of the day style posts. However, like those are not the ones that bring in the, the clients. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think, the most important thing to remember there is that they bring in followers, but they don't turn followers into clients or students. Yeah, sure. Because yeah. it's, it's <laughs> everywhere. It's the same content that everyone's making, I think, is a key thing. Correct. Correct. Nothing and I do think most people, like most followers, if they're following you, they're probably also following at least one other teacher, if not a handful of other <laughs> teachers. Yeah. Too. Then no one's following just one person. Right. Uh, they're mad. Some people say they're mad if they think that. Correct. Correct. Social. Okay. So uh, obviously, you mentioned that you teach a lot of students for business English. When people think of business English, I sometimes think that they immediately jump to formal, informal language, things like that. What would, things like that. What would you say would be the differences? One of the key differences between regular or everyday English and business English. Great question. I do. I agree with you there. A lot of people just assume business English is like a synonym for advanced English. Mm. Um, and in, in some ways it can be. I mean, I think when you're thinking of grammar, it absolutely is, you know, with with um, business English, for example, they use a lot more passive language. You know, the, the project must be completed by da 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 da, or the, the product will be delivered by. They're not necessarily talking about who's doing it, but the fact that it will be done by. Mm. Um, so I think when we're talking about grammar, it is definitely advanced grammar, but there's also expressions and things we almost never use in basic, basic everyday English, I should say, not basic, but everyday English, um, versus, versus business English. And actually, I mean, right off the top of my head right now, I actually can't think of something, but I had it in my head like 20 minutes ago. So it'll come back and then I'll, I'll remind you again. But like, like there are just such clear sentences that we use at the office that we use almost nowhere else. Oh, I thought of it. I thought of it. So on the phone, for example, on the phone, you pick up the, you pick up the phone and at home, you're like, hello. I don't know about you guys in, in England, but in Canada, the common greeting is just hello beforehand like in my mom's generation they would give a name so you know Doris speaking Kate speaking Stu speaking so hello Kate speaking and that's a very very common way to answer the phone for everyday English however at the office you actually have three sentences you use back to back and I think for a lot of learners they have no idea what to do once they hear these three sentences back to back So the first thing you do when you're answering the phone in business English is you give a greeting. Then you give some information about either yourself, your department, or your company. And I'll give an example of this at the end. And then the third thing you do is you ask a very polite question like, how may I help you? What can I do for you today? So it's, good morning, Kate Bogar speaking, how may I help you? Or, good afternoon, uh, sales department at Microsoft, what can I do for you today? But a lot of the times nowadays, like, like we just say it so fast and it's just such a common greeting that secondary learners or, or non-native English speakers hear that and they're like, oh, uh, uh, like, how do I respond to what just happened? 
again, you know, now that I know what it is, then I can figure out what my answer will be. But it's just a question of learning it in the first place and then knowing how to then answer that. Um, so for a lot of us, a lot of the times when you're answering the phone, um, you'll hear the same sentences or you'll hear what you think of as different sentences, okay? But actually, usually when someone answers the phone, they answer it the exact same way every time. It's just that you probably don't call somebody the same, like that same person every single time, right? So if I'm, if I'm calling a different company one day, I talk to you, Stu, and you're like, uh, good morning, Stu from uh, Stu Sensei, how can I be of service? And then you hang up the phone, you talk to me and I'm like, good afternoon, Kate Bogart speaking, what can I do for you today? And that's just how I answer the phone, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So that to me, that's not necessarily advanced English, but knowing those three sentences back to back, that's business English. Yeah, it's definitely something we're not used to, uh, yeah. even as native speakers ever in a day-to-day setting you wouldn't be doing that so i can see where the confusion would definitely become come from a learner you know um (laughs) you say that business english is more like it's a topic of its own rather than trying to grade it as advanced or beginner or intermediate level language although there are some vocabulary obviously that do fit into all of those categories but do you think it's more like could you say it's a topic like we top we kind of call sport or uh, history or something like this as separate topics would you say the same yeah thing yeah I would see like business English beginners business English intermediate and business English advanced for sure because there is to me there is like the stuff that you can and should be used to the more advanced you get into it but you can also start at beginners English business English beginners sure okay so the basics basically and then build your yeah. way up. yeah correct okay What's the main, what are the main issues that your students have when, they learn, when they're learning with you for business English? So when I get to any company, the confusion or the, the problem is typically, you know, I don't use it enough. And either now I'm being promoted to a job where I need to use it all the time, or every once in a while I'll answer the phone and someone says, hi, do you speak English? And my reaction is like, Ooh, oh God, I don't know. Um, and then, you know, I, I hear a lot from my people, they say, because oh, I say, okay, what do you do? And they say, well, I just put them on hold and I send them over to my colleague. <laughs> Not my problem, you can answer this to her. Um, but yeah, so, so for a lot of them, it's, it's the confidence, really. It's like, I can do my job and I can do it really well in German. But now all of a sudden, based on some sort of change from the outside world, I now have to do that same job in English and that freaks me out. Um, A lot of my people, for example, their companies are sold and now all of a sudden they're on the international market. And I can work in a German company who's owned by a Finnish company who then also need English because they don't use Finnish as the secondary language, they use it as English. I can talk like those same German clients can communicate with people in China and Japan and Korea and and India, but they always need English. So then the next level is that you're also talking to other non-native English speakers and you need to understand each other in a second language for the both of you. So that causes some, obviously some slight issues Mm -hmm. um, for those people. Um, Do you think that in, in those scenarios where that that person 
have have come to you or maybe the company has come to you do you find that their actual english level is the problem or just the confidence uh great questions for a lot of the germans that i work with they've they've had english as a second language since they were younger so for them you put one beer in them and you put them in a bar and they can speak english no problem uh, for them, it's just like really freaky to be on on the phone and be talking to someone who could potentially be a boss of theirs and them not wanting to be wrong or make a mistake. So, yeah, I, I believe that a lot of the cases come down to confidence. And are there any specific materials that someone who maybe is interested in learning business English that can pick up um, just to get them started, for example, to begin to know some of the terms or some of those if you want role plays that do occur within business English? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's some there's some great, great resources out there. Personally, I find, uh, like if I'm honest, courses actually are way, way better than books. Obviously, books are probably a lot less expensive. Um, but I feel like the one of the biggest problems is that people think, okay, now I'm motivated, I want English tomorrow. You go out to a bookstore, you buy a grammar book, and then bring it home, read the first three pages, put it down, and never pick it back up. So it's just a waste of money, right? I've done that myself for all of the languages I've learned, is that I've been for one minute like motivated, okay, I'm going to do this, and then that book just collects dust in my, in my library or on my bookshelf in my office. So for me, uh, you know, we so first of all, I will say this, we have my myself, my online school, my business partner and I have a business English course, we believe it's very good, we believe it's very thorough. Um, it was created for different companies and then kind of mixed together. So there's elements of customer service and writing emails and talking on the phone. Um, and then there's also some grammar stuff and the things that I have kind of used through my corporate clients uh, over the years. And we believe it's it's truly very good. Now, that being said, of course, if you're looking for a book, there are some good ones out there. I personally found, um, what is it? Business English for Dummies, that like dumb, for dummies sequence. The Business English for Dummies is actually a pretty good one. It's a, a resource I have that I also use here and there to be teaching my students. Um, and then there's another one called Market Leaders that I really like. I think it's specific to Europe but I'm sure if you Googled it or put it into Amazon, you'd be able to find it. And that I also feel is like really thorough and goes through a lot of different, different opportunities, different phrasal verbs and grammar and all of that. I think one of the problems with most of the books that I'm seeing is that they're just not specific enough to business. You know, like when chapter one is talking at a hotel and chapter two is talking at a restaurant and chapter three is going on the subway. And I don't always find them as, as necessary for business learners. Um, so that's my, my only complaint there. But yeah, there's some, there's some good books out there, including the Business English for Dummies. But personally, I don't find them as useful. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I think that obviously seeing it in this scenario is better than just reading it because mm -hmm. it's a specific situation and our initial interaction with a second language is everyday use and maybe very in informal language and things that where the lang the setting may be slightly different mm -hmm. and then if you're just reading you might not get the same understanding of the differences of the way maybe someone's tone is whilst they're speaking and yeah. things. 
Absolutely. I think uh, there's a lot missing. Like I, I personally feel that books, so I, many people might not actually recognize this or know this, but when you go into a library and buy a language book, a lot of the times there is also a teacher's version of that book. Mm. And that teachers, it, when the teacher and the teacher's version is missing, a lot of the times the student doesn't have the guidance from the book that they're expecting. So it's just like exercise one, okay, fill in the blank with these different phrasal verbs, but it doesn't necessarily help me learn it. So even if you have the book, a lot of the times you're still missing the teacher. This is something, this is actually why we created the Business English course the way that we did. So, so first of all, there's more than 40, 40 video lessons in our Business English course, going from things like I said about writing emails and answering the phone, but to also like managing complaints and giving bad news and how to be polite in certain situations and phrasal verbs and expressions that you'll hear at meetings, for example. And when you're hearing it, from a teacher like myself, I, I filmed about two thirds of those and then my business partner filmed the other third. Um, so when you're hearing it from a teacher and it's broken down in that way, it's considerably easier. And then as well, like it, it's not so quite random like books. Books tend to jump from one thing to the next. And I think it's because they're trying to, they're trying to keep the learner on their toes or not be repetitive or boring but actually a lot of the time, it's just really confusing. Being someone who's learned languages the way that I have, those books are not meant for the learner. They're not meant to, to make the learner fully understand. And that's my problem with them. That's it for this one. If you want to find Kate, you can find her on Instagram at english.anywhere.de underscore Kate. You can find some great content there and you can find out all about what she offers. Uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, looking forward to seeing you next time. Ciao.